0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On Air. Like the kōkako, the saddleback, or tieke, belongs to the New Zealand wattlebird family, a family to which the huia belonged and which has been established in this country since ancient times, much longer than most of our other birds. The saddleback takes its name from the bright reddish saddle on its back, which according to legend is the mark of Maui's hand. Sadly, this attractive bird has disappeared from the main islands and exists only on a few offshore islands, carefully chosen locations for resettlement away from predators, which appears to have saved the tieke from total extinction.
1: Community or chaos? we can construct and
2: nurture community or fall into chaos over the next hour marvin hubbard hosts conversations toward creating a fairer more equal society community or chaos
1: is made possible with the support of quaker's aotearoa you'll find them online at quaker.org.nz Welcome back to Community or Chaos, hopefully most mostly community today. We have with us Scott Willis, who's a former who's a candidate, was the candidate for Tari electorate in the Green Party and is with the uh, Environmental Net. Nav- what's your Clim- new title? Climate Navigators. Environment Navigators? Climate Navigators. Climate Navigators, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And we'll be talking about climate change a lot today. And you can podcast this later in the week or early next week by going to oar.org.nz, then go to podcast, then go to Community or Chaos. Oh, well, Scott, how long have you been interested in global warming or global heating and why? <laughs>
2: I I think it was in the early 1990s when when I took a real interest in climate issues and and also resource depletion and and destructive economic systems and that's I, probably where we first met each other. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I, I I you know, I'd studied some of that at university and um but it was meeting it firsthand um and I spent some time living with neo peasants in france and 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 traveling and and seeing plastic replacing banana leaves um, you know the 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 depletion of vegetation in the high atlas mountains in africa the, the the type of impacts that humans were having on the planet really came home at that point well could you tell us?
1: About your work on renewable energy, sustainable housing, and the sea level rise.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I I work as as Willis Advisory and and as um, an associate consultant with Climate Navigator, and I'm I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm I do work as the chair of the energy committee at the Chamber of Commerce. Um, a member of the Innovation and Participation Advisory Group at the Electricity Authority, and, and a trustee at Cozy Homes, and, and those are ways in which um, you know I'm trying to push for systemic change. But you know, back in, um, in the early 2000s, I was really inspired by the Get Smart, um, Think Small document from the. Um, Parliamentary Commissioner for the Environment. And and that led me to work through, at the time, the Blueskin Trust on, on um, climate change um, adaptation through the Our City, Our Climate workshops, taking um, community um, workshops to help people see where they could Take action. Um, it, it led to trying to build renewables for Dunedin City, um, and and encouraging the use and understanding of how we can use solar and wind. And it, it led to, of course, the building of New Zealand's first climate-safe house. Um, that's um, you know an affordable, modular, energy-efficient, f- transportable eco-home for a vulnerable resident, but really a model for achieving climate justice. So,
1: does it discourage you when you... I was listening to the news this morning, and they are selling more SUV trucks, truck bodies, the large SUVs, petrol-driven engines, use twice the carbon than a a normal petrol. And those are the biggest sellers right now in New Zealand. What's happening?
2: Yeah, Um, I think it's... it's it's a sad state of affairs that that there's there's almost a, a knee jerk reaction to change, and and there's a power of marketing that is going into this. And I'm you know I, I've been debating somebody on a on a social media platform about this this most recently, and you know they 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 feel as though it's it's an impingement on their freedom. Um, well, that, That's the way it's being portrayed and well, that's and the way our economy has been portrayed for the last 40 years, too, mm.
1: ever since the uh, Labour Party changed back in the 1980s. In 1984, that's right. Well, could you tell me, could you talk about, when I wrote an article on North America's heat wave, uh, 7 and the heat dome effect saying that this was coming much faster than this, even the scientists predicted and they were, and they were scared mm. and we've seen hundreds of deaths in British Columbia and in uh, Oregon and Washington in the United States this is not Africa or the Middle East or any, it's
2: right where they said everybody thought they were safe Mm, Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a real example of how we, none of us are safe. None of us are safe. And, you know, I've, I've lived and worked in 40 degree temperatures, and it is extremely hard. It's, it's, it's difficult. To do anything, and I can't imagine what fifty-degree temperatures must be like. So, Gwyn Dwyer's article really talks about the the weakening Gulf Stream and and the the um, the, the lowered temperature difference between the Arctic and the more temperate zones. And I, I think about that in terms of a river, you know. And for, for years before human interventions, rivers have run, and they run, and had teeming life in them then if you imagine a river with high irrigation coming out of it, um, use for urban urban um, water demand, all of a sudden we start affecting the flow. And then we have, we have drought and we have warm pools where fish can't survive, the fish, fish die. So if we've got a slowing jet stream, we're the fish in that pool. And we will, we will have um, fatalities if we or an increasing fatalities, mm. if we don't slow our emissions, the yes, the fatalities will probably be in the millions or billions
1: one they, eventually if we don't. It, uh, you, mm-hmm. I mean, the people who really study this think that, that if climate change, if we don't do, if we don't mitigate climate change, why our civilization collapse. Human beings may survive, but it would be like going into the dark ages again.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this is this is the reason why we must do everything we can right now, because climate breakdown is underway. But the faster we reduce emissions, the longer we give ourselves time to adapt. And, and the longer we give ourselves to to ensure there's a just transition to a, a more regenerative and a more distributive and a more resilient economy and a more resilient aotearoa and we need to base that on a a circular economy so we we we've got options there there are options in front of us but we have to be willing to take them and and that's where the hard choices come in because can we stop this short-termism and start thinking about our children and our grandchildren? Because this is what we need to do. I mean, I know families that have
1: grandchildren, but they don't worry about that when they buy their car, or they don't worry about that when they think of what's important in the, in their life. They what they think they're doing right by their children by Getting as much um, money and and the best status they can get, but they don't think of what will happen to their children in um, thirty years.
2: Yes, I, I mean I th- I think we we all like to think that we're 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 logical, rational creatures, and <laughs> uh, but we're not. We're human, <laughs> and um and we can see. Um, we can see what happens we've we've got plenty of examples of what happens when civilization is in crisis and and we're in we're in a, a, a global civilization in crisis at the moment and it's you know social rupture is often the result um we've we've seen in in the u.s and in brazil the rise of people like trump and um bolsonaro and and in the politics of division, and I think we need to, to not, to not, um, to be careful not to criticise those people who are making poor decisions, but to look to how we can have system change that enables people to make good decisions and the right decisions. Well, one of those right decisions is probably, a, the. People that can afford to
1: do so, letting the government know that they're willing to pay higher taxes in order to have a, a better mm.
2: civilization that survives. Mm. Mm. And I think there are signs that um, there's, there is support and understanding that government can do a lot. And, and for government to be able to do a lot, we need to reform our taxation system, we need to reform our economy. And I, I, I think, um, you know, the, the electorate has shown, um, even in our short-term political system, that it's willing to, to support political parties that are investing in, in some of the right stuff. So I think there's a, there's a general shift here happening towards building well-being into our system. And wait, don't we radically need to change our, both our physical and
1: social structures? Including the economy and, and the point of view
2: of what economy is for. Uh, we certainly... We, we do. We do. I mean, an economy and our social systems really have grown and exist in a stable climate. And, and the, the problem is that the climate's no longer stable and our coastlines aren't fixed. So we've got to adapt our human systems to fit a new more dynamic reality and 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 because the economy is a social construct we can see change happening with a a change in terminology so we've seen um, this idea of well-being being being used now that's rhetoric but we need to we need to see that implemented through practice we need to see that implemented in in policy
1: are you disappointed in the in fact, the Labour Party has more political thought, more political capital than they've had since, probably since the 1930s. Yet they're not using it as the Labour Party did in the 1930s. They're being very careful and cautious. There's a story in the Bible about uh, a, a man who went away, a businessman who went away, and he gave his servants a certain amount of money he gave one you know three million three hundred dollars and gave another a hundred dollars and gave another two hundred dollars well the two that had the larger amount they went away and used that money to build the business and the other person he buried his uh, money in the sand because he was afraid that he'd lose and the master would be mad and when the businessman or the the owner got back, he was very unhappy with the person who said, You just wasted this money. You know? You wasted your capital.
2: Is the Labour Party wasting its political capital? It's 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 hard to know. It's hard to know what what the electorate will think. But you know But I,
1: they've got a better chance now of of being listened to and doing things than they'll ever have. Had for a long time. Maybe they, they will ever
2: have. I, I agree, and I and I'm 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 disappointed with the timidity in which they're acting. But I can also see that, you know, that they've got it. They're a major political party, and that that I guess looking back um, and trying to repair some of the damage that that's been done over the over the previous decades, and I and I think that's a, that's something that. That traditional politicians do when they see that there's there's a multitude of problems, but um, you know we 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 need in this moment of climate breakdown we need really visionary leadership and and we 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 can't we can't have simple responsiveness to events we we need to we need political leaders who understand the complexity and the and the and the scale of the challenge and. Are willing to focus on the solutions and the solutions we have at our fingertips. Okay, what are some of those solutions that will carry us through in the long term? Well, I think I think we need to start looking at how we can shape an economic model that, that's going to give us an intergenerational approach, long-come long long-term outcomes rather than short. Term box fixing, and you know that's the type of model that would be funding communities, um, a reimagining of value to think about green procurement through supply chains to support sustainable businesses. Um, It would be things like supporting the growth of community housing. Um, um, It would it would be looking at we. Giving returns to the community, supporting community energy schemes, ensuring that we have local food production, and and having um, uh, community involved in in how local local government divvies up budgets for for city projects. It's that type of of civic participation we need to encourage. All right, I'm going to play a a song now, and then we'll come
1: back.
0: This is a song to those who are born after us What you will have to go through I think is obvious Sometimes I get so Goddamn wild When I look into the eyes Of a child I see from us What this child will learn We teach them a system That I know will burn we continue on, tell them all is fine As we keep on taking, ignore the science How can we consume more than we produce? The equation's impossible, this is a simple truth Well, lately my head's been in a perfect storm I just woke up in a system that I know is wrong Wake up, my sisters La, 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 la Wake up, my brothers La, 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 la Wake up, my sisters La, 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 la Wake up, my brothers La, 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 la Our sense of entitlement is now fixed in our heads. And we think it's so smart to defecate in our own beds. we all know nothing is for free. To poison those after us will be our legacy. As our affluent, effluent flows into our seas comes back to us full circle in the form of disease. And she tried to warn us but he's no longer here We killed him because he tried to teach us to share How can we consume more than we produce The equation's impossible, this is a simple truth, well Lately my head's been Perfect stone I just woke up in a system That I know is wrong Wake up my sisters La 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 Wake up my brothers La 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 Wake up my sisters La 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 Wake up my brothers La 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 La
1: That was Craig Smith from 45 Degrees South, and he often does children's songs, but this is not a children's CD. And um, I think he's also played with the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra. You can podcast this, I, I mentioned by for, before, by going to O R dot org dot n z and then going to podcast and then going to community chaos. We're talking with Scott Willis, a green candidate in the past election, Vitari electorate and um climate change navigator. Well what would you first what would you do locally if you
2: if you were the city council? <laughs> if I was a city councilor. Well I think there there are um Really good things um, happening at the moment in the city council, um, because city council have been appointing staff to work on climate change issues, and and that's that's a really critical part for or, or role for the the city to play. How do we how do we reduce emissions, and how do we adapt, and how do we bring the community with us? So there's a number of staff that have been appointed. Um, And I think that's a really good start. There's also um, the City Council have been pushing as a council, and certainly if I was a council, I would be pushing for a reform of our transport system so that we support public transport and we push, work with the regional council, but push for central government funding to massively boost public transport in the city and to electrify our our public transport, so that people don't need to drive petrol cars into the city center and and people can park and ride we, we can we can build our electrical infrastructure to support charging of electric vehicles and make it so much easier to reduce emissions from transport would you like
1: to see the i know that uh, didn't, Wellington city Councils had such a hard time with their uh, private, the fact they've been forced, all the city councils under uh, labor and national in the 80s and early 90s were forced to privatize their public transport, and Wellington's had enough. They're saying the government should allow them to bring it uh, into the hook. The public should own the public transport through their city councils or regional councils.
2: Would you support that? I certainly would. I think, you know, we can't we can't expect private enterprise to provide a public service um, um, that is appropriate for the demand or the need we have at the moment. We we need public transport to be back as a public service because we need to get people out of cars. So,
1: the other, on the national issue, New Zealand's actually a funny shape. We're long and narrow, like you and me. (laughs) (laughs) And um, that's not a problem for us. But um, it could be a problem for New Zealand. Um, Most of our highways in the South Island, particularly along the coast particularly between Christchurch and, and Picton. Well, and that includes railways, unfortunately. What do we do about that? Should we? I have a, a strong belief that if a country needs good infrastructure, it's not a waste of money to borrow for that infrastructure. Borrow heavily if you have to. And in time, it'll pay you back. And if you don't, you, you're in trouble, as we, as you can see if you look at the United States. Frankly, mm. so would you uh,
2: recommend that we borrow the money we need for infrastructure and build? Yes, and I, and I've just made a submission to the infrastructure commission um, because they've they've set out. Uh, a proposal, well they've, they've sought community um, opinion on their 30 year infrastructure strategy and they've identified that there is so much infrastructure that is in need of renewal around New Zealand at the moment There there is growth in um, population growth happening in different areas putting on pressure on infrastructure and at the same time we have we're in the middle of a climate crisis which is adding additional pressures on our existing infrastructure that weren't anticipated when that infrastructure was built. So, so we need to, to do a complete rethink of our infrastructure. And, and one of the things that the Infrastructure Commission pr- interestingly proposed is that it's not always a good idea just to build bigger or build more maybe we should look for non-built alternatives. Maybe we should should look for doing, doing more with less. So um, I, I think of the uh, ways in which we might build resilience for our food system, for example, because at the moment there are places like Dunedin that are supplied from Auckland and Christchurch with our bulk food supplies. We can... Those those <coughs> excuse me those transport routes can be cut by by flood events that we've seen it happen on several occasions with our bridges washed out or damaged or approaches to those bridges washed out or damaged and of course we can we can we can simply build bigger but we could also build local food systems so that we are we're we're having a larger percentage of our food from local provisioning local source and supporting our local economy at the same time. Well, should we then change our um,
1: zoning laws? For instance, uh, they're building new subdivisions in Alkrum. We've already used up for our both in Dunedin. We know it's happening in Auckland, but it's happening in the, the Dunedin area. Our best and horticultural land has often become sub subdivided for houses because that'll bring be more immediate profit. Should we do
2: something about that? We definitely should. And I think, you know, they're, they're, we, we've got to avoid building on our high-class soils, or, and we've got to avoid building on flood risk or flood hazard zones. Are we going to? Well there are indications that there's movement but it's it's again it's not it's not fast enough the the government yesterday i think l- opened up for consultation the natural and built um, environment act and i think that's open until the 4th of august so so that act will hopefully provide some guidance on on where and what we do but again that will take Several years, or, or we or don't have years. several years. If that's the problem, that's the problem. So we need to. We and need. And the to government's been there for for four years now. Mm. Mm. And government government Is has the Green Party direction. done enough? Has the Green Party done enough? Maybe, maybe they've been too cooperative with the government. <laughs> yeah, so. It's a it's a tricky place to be in. I think to be to be a. Uh, uh, government support partner and to push for more i mean we don't have the ability to hold the government to do more we can only encourage or or call them out when they're not doing enough but well, we're not calling enough well we are on a lot of things
1: <laughs> well i we don't hear it so much in the in the public media
2: mm, mm. now that's an, that's a, okay that's an interesting point I, I see it, but I'm not... If it's I mean, not they may good, say it privately,
1: but that's a different story then. That's not the kind of pressure the government's been.
2: Go. Well, it may be a case of the media not picking up on, on stories as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. I understand there's going to be uh, for competition for the leadership of the Green Party the next time they choose
2: co-leaders. Do you have anything to say about that? Oh, I think it's a healthy thing to have a have a, a discussion about um, leadership quality and direction of a party, and, and it helps. It ensures that the Green Party is a is a democratic um, and 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 vital party. So I'm 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 looking forward to the AGM. I think it'll be a, a, a an interesting discussion. Is it a bit of a wake up call? Uh, I think it shows the diversity of the Green Party. I don't think it's a wake-up call. I think it shows that there are, there are, um, Green Party has um, has a a, a, a political side which aims to get political change happening, but it also has this activist, activist support base that wants to see more happening, and and it but they're also political work
1: well. because you don't get. Major changes without political
2: change. Mm, mm. So I think there's a a, a, a a natural partnership there, and we need to see how we can how the activist base can support the the political structure. How can we have a
1: government which seems so virtuous and moral in its agenda, yet? It's still in doing business as usual at a time when we're actually – the crisis isn't coming. The crisis is here.
2: Mm. Mm. Well, I think we're, 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 we're in the challenge of the short-termism of, of the three-year appointment, and I think I think government gets into this position where they want to hold their place and they want to grow their base, and they're willing to do what it – what it takes to stay there and that often means lovely rhetoric but not necessarily the action we require for for building a resilient aotearoa and i think that's where we need to have we if, need to have the the competence in government from if um, the first labor had policy
1: had had that had acted that way would they be remembered If, that, if, the if the Savage and Fraser's Labour Party in the 1930s and 40s had that attitude, would they be remembered as a memorable party? A memorable yes.
2: government? No, I don't think so. But I think we're in a different different space but now. But the crisis is just as great. The crisis is greater. Is greater but the, the, the way in which... Political debate happens is more complex as well, and that's that's the great challenge I see all politicians having.
1: Well, what can we do as individuals? I mean, to change the
2: the government's inactivity. We can we can submit on on all major bits of of regulatory change, like the national uh, and, and natural and built environment. Act, the Infrastructure Commission, the Climate Change Commission, those things have passed but there's a, there's a, a suite of um, consultations that are coming out we can write letters to the editor we can, we can go to public meetings and talk to our politicians and we can certainly vote when we have the opportunity for the most progressive the most um, politically um, or, or politically positive on climate action politicians there are we we can we can live our own lives as, as best we can, but we can push at every opportunity for system change for a better system.
1: I recycle. I ride my electric bike. Um, we rarely drive the car. But I know that's not going to make a, a bit of difference, frankly. Mm. Maybe as an example, but it won't make it a, a real difference. What will make a difference is when governments and corporations mm. change. Mm. And I think that's one place where you've actually gone wrong. I think, you know, 15 years ago we should have been saying, not dig your own garden better or recycle. Get in there and recycle the government.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't think it should be your job to have to um, sort through your plastics to decide which are recyclable and which are not. We should not be having to deal with that problem at a a, a level. But instead of...
1: Thinking about what we could do as individuals, we should have thought more about what we make, what we can make the
2: corporations and government do. Mm. Um, and and I think you know, one, one example of that is what happens with Rio Tinto in the Ty Point site. We've got a, a a corporate there that has received massive taxpayer subsidies to stay in New Zealand. Actually, would be New Zealand be better off, wouldn't it? Without them wouldn't it? I, I I generally think so. We we have a we have a company that's providing jobs, sure. But how much but electricity do they use? Thirteen to fourteen percent of New Zealand's electricity supply now goes now to T People don't realize that. Mm. And right now we've got
1: plenty of electricity, but when we as we go toward electric trains, electric, electric transport, we'll need more electricity. We're burning an awful lot of coal at the moment at Huntley to well, keep our We wouldn't our have electricity to burn coal system. if we did. First, change our system slightly, but also use uh, Manapura for the good of the whole grid instead of just, um, of course, that means a structural change, too. I mean, we, we haven't kept up with uh, the structures for sending power to the North Island as we should have.
2: I think there are many, many things we can do to ensure our electricity system is fit for purpose, and it, it, it involves making intelligent use of Manapuri power that might, s- s- <coughs> excuse me, support some <coughs> some industrial purpose at Ty, it, um, whether it's a data centre, hydrogen, even green hydrogen for some very niche niche uses. There are, there are there are things we could do to support an, industri- an industrial um, site at, at T-White once we've cleaned up and ensured that Rio Tinto has cleaned up its mess, but also provide a bit of um, stability in our electricity market. But at the same time, we need to build more renewables and we need to build greater energy efficiency into everything we do because there's, there are so many ways we can reduce demand that will slow down our need to build a new generation. When are, When's our train network in the North Island going to be electrified? <laughs> that's a question I'd love to know the answer to. Well, we should know the answer to it, shouldn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things the Green Party should be asking and then telling us. Green Party is definitely pushing for electrification but they should of the say rail. say that we don't have an answer yet. We don't know if it's ever going to happen. Instead of saying going to happen. (laughs) What about what do we do about transport links between the
2: Dunedin and uh, oh, particular Christchurch and Picton? Well I think we've got we have got an existing rail network we could use that for transport, we've used it in the past, the southerner was a fantastic um, fantastic train journey and i would love for us to to rebuild that um but we we also need to think about how we're we going to how we're we going to keep doing this through the future and we will have to adapt our our routes because well, we have to actually go inland we will have to go inland certainly I mean, the sooner the better really
1: isn't it i mean the think you put off now it will get that much harder mm. with climate change. Mm. Mm.
2: There are places where State Highway 1 is already very, very vulnerable. And our rail network is also very vulnerable. So we, we, we need to be thinking about... That's what the the, the 30-year infrastructure strategy is about. Where, what are we thinking about for the next 30 years? It seems to me that the Labour government, if it were
1: true to its tradition, would be... Using, we'd be, you'd be creating trades, you'd be creating jobs, you'd be creating training, and you'd be putting more and more people to work. If you did
2: what we actually need to do, I think political parties change and and change identity over time, and we can see that. Yeah, Norman Kirk was the last
1: common person who was prime minister. A
2: political party. It, it, it's a, um, I certainly think we do need politicians who have had real life experience, and we need we need them to be um, using their skills or their understanding of the the, the the situation that New Zealanders find themselves in, but also an understanding of the climate crisis we 're in to make decisions that are going to build a more resilient aetr I And mean, this is
1: a, a way of change from my outlook. Ten years ago, I wanted to put everything into me, mitigation. I thought adaption was, was good, but I thought that we might see adaption as a way of not... Mitigating. We carry on using our, uh, buying our big utes, as we're obviously doing, and carry on the way we were because we were going to adapt to climate change. We, well now we know we're going to have to adapt to it because we haven't changed, uh, we haven't mitigated enough. But we still have to mitigate, don't we?
2: Mm. And I think we can look for the sweet spots because, you know, there are many things we can do that are both mitigation and, <laughs> excuse me, adaptation. So, for example, climate-safe housing built to a higher standard or, or housing retrofitted both reduces emissions and ensures that we are more adaptable to the changes that are coming. Or local energy systems reduce our demand of Huntley coal if we're building renewables, but also ensure we've got security of supply in local regions that can, that can be incorporated through smart grids. So there, there are ways in which we can do both, and we, we should be, we should be um, picking off those easy-to-get, mm. those, those mm. sweet spots first. Should we have, a
1: new, again, a New Zealand shipping com- coastal shipping
2: company? Oh, I think that would be very, very sensible, and, and there is so much um, work happening at the moment on electric ferries, and even um, even hydrogen-powered maritime power, um, that should make coastal shipping much easier in the future. And I think that that's a very sensible way for us to go. But it's uh, that that requires a, a step change in thinking. And it and it requires an understanding of the climate of of the true nature of the climate crisis we're at. And I'm not I'm not confident that our major political party is really has its has its, its mind's eye on the 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 problem in, that we face and the challenge we face, and therefore is not able to to have the imagination to think mm-hmm. of the solutions.
1: Partly the economy that our economy is still based on GDP and growth, material growth. Um, And actually
2: capitalism
1: is to a high degree.
2: Does that actually have to change? Yes, I think we need to certainly look to Kate Raworth's model of Donut Economics and and think about how we can um, how we can ensure that we've got well-being within mm-hmm. the, the planetary limits. So we need to be thinking I mean, how about people and How are you going to make the changes planet? if you're a head of a corporation,
1: unless you're like that guy in Seattle who was willing to give up his money? If you want a, um, a bonus of a million dollars every year or every three years, and you want to, to bank a million dollars a year on your regular salary, and you know that's all based on uh, growth and making the stockholders wealthier.
2: How are you going to change direction when, you, when you're in that situation? Well, that's got to come from civic and public pressure because, you know, if we f- go down that path, we are truly into chaos and we, we, we can't afford that. So we need to ensure that we have the debates about We're, reducing I mean, this is inequality. What
1: we've done with electricity,
2: actually. We what? This is what we've
1: done with electricity. <laughs> Yes. Yes.
2: (laughs) So do you see part of what your job is to make that debate happen? Certainly. And I think we need to create... Places for conversations and and discussion and and realise that not everyone's at the same place, mm-hmm. but we have a common purpose to to create a world and a and a society that our children and our grandchildren can thrive in, and that that should be one of the most basic things we come back to. How do we do that? And if we if we accept that we want to have. a a future for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, then we we can then start looking at how we get there. And clearly, there are many things we can't do if that's what we want. Do I expect too much of politicians
1: and, and leaders? I mean, I expect them to know as much about climate change as you or I do. And it's not that hard. I'm no genius. I've never been to university and yet, these people have all been to universities, Some of them are doctors. Shouldn't I expect to be able to expect them to understand what the situation really is? You
2: should, yes. And, but I mean, I, I come back to the, the the problem that humans are not are not logical, rational creatures. We're we're we're, we're uh, oh, oh, well, only no, two humans. Well, no, I
1: think I'm passionate.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should. We should certainly um, encourage good decision making and we should support politicians who are making good decisions <laughs> excuse me but, but um, call them out when they make bad decisions or inappropriate decisions so, so we've, we've got to keep we, we the dialogue open out, do we? Hmm? we don't call them out do we? Sometimes we do, but I think yes, we've we've had a challenge. Um, some of our media is is um, getting better because we've got some good media outlets who are doing some good in-depth reporting. But we've also got a a, 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 a more um, the mit- diverse. print media has
1: really suffered in two ways. The uh, first way is the Online. Uh, people don't need to buy a paper to get the news, the young people particularly. But the other thing is that the media, television, and the print medias, except for the Otago Times, are all owned overseas, mostly Australia. Conservative owners who are, uh, want to make money and also want to keep things as they are.
2: Mm. And I do think there's a there's always a tendency to look for drama in stories rather than reporting um, reporting well, innovation. all the drama you want is happening in Seattle and
1: Vancouver. That's right. <laughs> Yet they're not seen. Not people like Gwen Dyer are making the links, but the the media itself generally isn't seeing
2: the, mm. the links. Mm. However, there is there is a power in us because the the media has become much more democratic as well there is a power in sharing our own stories and and that's that's something we we can do it's not it's not um, it's not going to save us necessarily but it's part of the solution and that's ensuring that we we tell our stories as as part, members of the public Isn't to encourage part of public. our
1: story if we're conscious of climate change that I, for instance, I, have a, I had a young friend in the, the late 80s, early 90s from Germany. And his father had been a, a, a large businessman in the nineteen late 30s and 40s, and a member of the Nazi party. And he felt so guilty about what Germany had done and about... Um, his his family Well, I'm part of I want my children and grandchildren to feel that I did my best that I really did my best even if we
2: failed hmm hmm yes I I, I was talking to my sons not so long ago they were both in Wellington during the, the latest storm event and we were talking about Climate change, and I was—I'm—I'm um, I'm always cautious when I'm talking with um, my sons and that generation about the the, um, the the climate crisis we're in because I don't—I don't want to concentrate on the on the negative, and I, I was heartened. Um, Bruno was was particularly engaged because the the storm was so dynamic and so in their face and and his his comment was that You know, humans have a capacity to act. We've shown how destructive we can be, but we're also incredibly creative. And now is a time that that we can grasp and we can do things differently. It feels as though there are opportunities for making change happen in a positive sense. So we often concentrate on the bad stories, but there are many, many good stories happening. And and we we should also look at those and take heart from, from what is happening. one of the things that is happening is that
1: the European Union and also the some of the economic structures in northern Europe in Europe and North America are taking to take taxation really seriously. It's saying the corporation should have to be paid, taxed and that's I've been talking I mean radicals have been saying this for 20 years or more about 30 years. But it's the first time the establishment's been saying it seriously.
2: Is that a sign of hope? I think it is. I mean, I'm I'm no taxation expert, in, and I and I, I'm, I'm I'm not finance is not one of my areas. But I certainly see that uh, the European Union, in in particular, um, is working its way through the the great challenge of decarbonisation, and is realising that it can't. Can't continue to give a free ride to the corporates any longer.
1: What are your hopes for? I guess you've been talking about your hopes, really. But.
2: Well, I, 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 I want. I, I, I have a hope that we have boldness and. Action from government. I I I hope that we have greater civic participation in the decision making that we need to build a resilient Aotearoa. I want to see I want to see our youth engaged and being um, consulted on or participating in decisions that affect them and the future. Because the future's in our hands now and we, we, we need to focus on what we can do here and act with purpose on, on making sure that we're building a better place. So I, I don't think I don't think the future's going to be easy, but it certainly won't be boring. And <laughs> and I want to ensure that we've, we we're 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 giving our best shot at at ensuring the the um the place we leave is the best place for our children. Do we have to actually rethink our ideas about trade
1: and resiliency? Should we be building more things ourselves? Because the world, we need to be part of an international movement to make change in the world. We need to support the United Nations. We don't want to withdraw. But don't we also need
2: to be more resilient in our economy? I think we certainly do. We need to think about what we can do here. That doesn't mean shutting off from other places, but it does mean building more local manufacturing and it means making do with less, so it, and, and it means communicating our, um, our, our efforts to build resilience at a national level. So, for example, our transport system could be powered 100% by electricity, and, and we could make more
1: and more of our own transport, our own engines
2: and our own wagons. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to. Well, that's right. And so we could, we could entirely um, devolve ourselves from imports of fossil fuels from, from the Middle East and fuel our transport system from our own renewable sources in New Zealand. So that's, that's one way that we can both demonstrate, build, build um, resilience in New Zealand and demonstrate how other countries can do it, so we can have tradable IP for, for other countries. OK. Thanks a lot for coming in. I really enjoyed the, the conversation
1: and the fact that you're still hopeful. Thank you, Marvin. It's been a pleasure. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.